I'm entitling the message today, Then What Manner of Persons Should We Be? I'm taking this from 2 Peter chapter 3, as you'll see it in the text in just a moment. In other words, if all of this is going to happen, and it's in the hand of God for it to happen, and when it happens, the question is, so what? In other words, what manner of persons should we to be? If nobody knows the time, nobody knows the day when the Lord's going to come, then how should we live today? In, in case that Jesus comes back before we start the way next Sunday, then how should we live? How should we deal with things? What manner of persons should we be? So let's put this in context. I'm going to read from 2 Peter chapter 3. And for those of you that are new believers and you're just beginning to study the Scripture, we're always mindful that you're here, and that's not a put-down. It's just exciting to me to know that you're on a journey to learn some of the greatest truths you've ever learned. You will see how they apply to your life every single day. But one of the things that's very unique about the Scripture, though it was written over a 3,000-year period of time by 40 authors that spoke three different languages and came from three different continents, there is one message in the 66 books of the Bible. And one of the messages is that God has reached out and drawn people in and blessed them in a special way to fulfill his will on earth. He picked the unlikely, like the one that wrote 2 Peter, the fisherman who had major problems in his life. You name the sin, he had a problem with it. You name the temptation, he was tempted with it. But God saw in Simon Peter here is a man, he's a real man, he lives in a real world, he has some common sense, not a lot, but he had some, and he was wanting a new life. So God took this fisherman, and he never went to seminary, but he preached on the day of Pentecost, chosen by the Holy Spirit to bring one of the most powerful sermons that was ever delivered. And then he was given privilege to write the epistles of Peter. Now today, we're in the second epistle of Peter, third chapter, and as we read the third chapter, we're going to read 14 verses. Listen carefully as I read from 2 Peter, third chapter, verse 1. This second epistle, beloved, I now write unto you in both which I stir up your pure minds by way of remembrance. He said, I'm on, I want you to remember, I want you to think back in your life and my life and what you knew about me and so forth, that you may be mindful of the words which were spoken before by the holy prophets and of the holy commandment of us, the apostles of the Lord and Savior, knowing this first, that there shall come in the last days scoffers, walking after their own lust, and saying, where is the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of the creation. For this they willingly are ignorant of, that by the word of God the heavens were of old, and the earth standing out of the water and in the water. Whereby the world that then was, being overflowed with water, perished. But the heavens and the earth, which are now, by the same word, are kept in store reserved unto the fire against the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. But, beloved, be not ignorant 
But this one thing that one day is with the Lord is a thousand years. And a thousand years are as one day. The Lord is not slack concerning his promise, as some men count slackness. But is long-suffering to usward, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Could I repeat that? But that all should come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in the which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise. The elements shall melt with fervent heat. The earth also and the works that are therein shall be burned up. Seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved. Now here's where my title comes from. What manner of persons ought you to be in all holy conversation and godliness? Looking for and hasting unto the coming of the day of God. Wherein the heavens being on fire shall be dissolved and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for a new heavens and a new earth wherein dwelleth righteousness. Wherefore, beloved, seeing that ye look for such things, be diligent that you may be found of him in peace without spot and without blemish. What a powerful powerful passage. In many places we read in the Bible about one of the signs of the coming of the Lord is that fires will break out in many different ways and in many different places. For those of us that live in the state of Texas, we are seeing it even as we speak right now. As where the fires burned in East Texas just a few years ago are burning again right now. A few weeks ago, it was in the hill country of Texas. A few months before that, it was California, Oregon, Utah, where literally the hundreds of thousands of acres began to be burned off in this country. As you look at the news of the world, you will see some of these things are happening, not only in America, not in the unique things that we've never seen before in the way of natural things, but you begin to see it all put together, trying to say to those who claim to be believers, live the way God wants you to live. If you ever, ever intend to encourage people to be saved, like come to the way, or if you ever personally wanted to tell your friend, your family member, your brother, your sister, person you have known for years that Jesus loves them, I'm warning you, you better get it done because nobody knows the time or the day when the Lord is going to come back again. I believe most people want to be winners. I may be optimistic in that, but I believe that most people want to defeat the diseases that come into their life. I think they want a good job. I think they want real friends, real friends, not superficial friends. I really believe most people like to have a happy home. I believe that most people would like to graduate from school. I think most people like to be promoted, honored, given a raise. I think most people in business would like to see their business grow. I think most people want to make the best of what they have. And I could go on and on with my list, but I'm just optimistic in that. Now, you may disagree with that. And I think the reason is because, did you know this? We're all born losers. 
We're all born losers. We are born to lose. We are born with a, what we call original sin. That original sin makes a loser out of you. It destroys the college athletes, as we're seeing happen right now. It destroys the NBA players that were some of the greatest that ever got on the court. It destroys the rich and the famous. It destroys the entertainers. Why? Because sin is in the nature of people that try to get happiness in sex and money and personal attention by being popular. We're born to lose. That is not where the answer is. Making another dollar isn't going to make you one bit happier. And even taking that promotion or that change in life that you've always wanted, if you don't walk with God, if you have that nature in you thinking that's what brings happiness, well, you've got some problems you've got to deal with. Now, the scripture, the question is, if we believe this stuff about the Bible, if we believe this is true, then how should we live? How urgent should we be about telling the people about the Lord? How urgent should we be about getting our priorities right? We, ride, we rob God of our tithes and offerings. We make hundreds of thousands of dollars in a lifetime and give absolutely nothing or very little to the Lord. But we throw it away in entertainment. We throw it away in sumptuous living. We throw it away in trying to have a good time and say, all the church wants is my money. No, no, no. What the church wants, if it's a real church, is to see you come to know the Lord Jesus Christ and to find out you're not your own, you're bought with a price. And for you to find out you own nothing. You came into this world with nothing, you're going to go out with nothing, and we'll give account to God of how we spend our time, our talents, and how we spend our money when we were on this earth one day. And that is simply the truth. 1 Peter 5, 8 says, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion walks about seeking whom he may devour. Let me tell you something. While he's walking around and looking, he, you catch his eye. I catch his eye. Amen. He makes his decision as to what to do. If you know anything about the African lion, the African lion walks about seeking whom he may devour. He likes to catch his prey off guard. He goes to the watering holes oftentimes because there the animals are wanting to get their drink and they don't know, but out here in the bush, there's lurking the one that's out to devour. And the devil is like the lion. He watches when your guard is down, when things seem to be going good. But Jesus is back here in the background saying, but I came people to seek and to save those which are lost. And you are lost if you have not come to me because I am the way. Now, if you hear the Bible story, if you celebrate Christmas, if you celebrate Easter, if you believe that Jesus Christ is coming again, the question is, what manner of people should we be? Luke 19.10 says, For the Son of Man is come to seek and to save that which are lost. The devil comes as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. You see the contrast? Who do you think gets the most? Satan. 
overwhelmingly the most. People had rather be devoured by the things of this world than to be saved by the blood of Jesus. Hard to understand, isn't it? A strong argument can be made that life is divided into two halves, before Christ and after Christ. We could call it B.C. and A.C. instead of A.D. Because, you see, before Christ, we're living in sin. After Christ, we're born again. And life takes on new meaning. History has clearly recorded that Jesus Christ changed the world when he came. Take any figure that's ever been, Jesus Christ is the one that changed the world when he was born in the manger in Bethlehem. And today, some of us may be in a crisis. We may be struggling. We have a lot of uncertainties. You know something? We can turn our crisis over to the Lord if we know him. He said, that's the reason I told you you're going to need me. You're not always going to have your health. You're not always going to be young. You're not maybe always going to have your money. You're not always going to have all those friends. You may outlive them all. Then what are you going to do? But you know what? It's in our crisis that we can experience something that's the greatest thing they'll ever experience in our life. It's called salvation. It's called a new birth. It's called being born again. We can turn that crisis into a brand new life. You know, your life today is not affected by what's going on in your life. It's, ha- it's affected by how you respond to what's going on in your life. As I've told you many times, it's mind over matter. If you don't mind, it don't matter. <laughs> if you come to that point and say, if I live, I live in the Lord. If I die, I die in the Lord. Whether I live, whether I die in the Lord. It doesn't make any difference. Amen. If you think I'm going to have a nervous breakdown, Satan, over something you've caused to happen in my physical body, you're dead wrong. I'm not my own. I'm bought with a price. Right. You're not going to take my life. My life is in the hands of God who created me out of nothing. Football's an interesting game, to say the least. (laughs) Having said that most people are losers, I'm I'm convinced that most people want to be winners. Matter of fact, I've noticed that a lot of football fans go to the football game, game believing and hoping for a miracle that their team might win. I just don't believe you go to football team and say, what are you here? Well, I came to see my team lose. <laughs> I mean, the cheerleaders don't jump in jail, you know, let's lose, let's lose, let's lose, let's lose, let's lose. Hey, you know, <laughs> fall dead, lay on the field, whatever. And you know, football games have two halves. Between the halves, a team goes to the locker room. You follow me now? Now, the band's entertaining us or whatever out there, the spectators, but they're in the locker room. And they're hearing the wherewithal from who withal as to what they need. The point is, we better, if you're behind, we better make some adjustments. You know, you got 30 minutes left to play the game, but the rest of your life, remember how you played it. Now, come on, team, get up. You're acting like you're playing dead out there. You know what that means. If you ever played ball, you know what halftime's about if you're on the team. But again, the spectators want to be entertained. 
That's the way people are. They want to be entertained. Just entertain me. When I come to church, entertain me. When I go to ball game, entertain me. When I go to church, I want to be entertained. I just want to be entertained. It's the reason I get out on the freeways. I want to be entertained. You know, you, you see everything going on out there. And at halftime, the, the concession stands prepare for the rush. Who in the world would buy a $10 hot dog and a $12 hamburger and a $10 beer? Spectators. That's who they are. It's got to be good. Look how much it costs. Well, the players are in there discussing with the coach what are they going to do right in the second half. I think the word is they're making adjustments. Some of them are making adjustments. Hey, Charlie, you're going to be on the bench the second half. That's our adjustment. Just get out of the game. We'll put a cheerleader in the way you're playing, you know. Just forget about it. But in football, the best part of the game, to me, is the last two minutes. The two-minute warning. Wow. How many games have you seen in the last two minutes they pull it out? You know? Everybody's jumping up and down, you know, and they come out there and they're moving that ball. Well, they only got a minute and 19 seconds. They've had almost an hour and hadn't moved it 50 yards, and now you're going to move it 90 yards? And a lot of times they do, don't they? My question is, why don't the coaches just put 25 two-minute drills together and I don't think anybody could beat them. They'd score 400 to 12, you know, in, in football. But let me make my point. In life, you don't know when your halftime's going to come. Are you following me? If life expectancy was 80, most people think they're in the first half until they're 40. Not true. The Bible says none of us know what another day is going to bring. Right. I'm speaking to people right now, and some of us are in the two minutes. Too many people watching right now for somebody not to be in the two minutes. We don't know who that is, but we don't know when that day is going to come. Right. And that's the reason the Scripture says, now is the time. Now is the day. You know not where you are in life. I have lived almost to life expectancy but I've buried a whole lot more people younger than me than I have those that are my age and older. What's the point? The point is, we don't know what a day's gonna bring. Today is the day of salvation. Why not start something new today? Amen. That guarantees you win. You win, you win. Proverbs 27:1. the wise Solomon said, boast not of tomorrow. For you know not what a, day, what a day may bring forth. You know what? Most people in life, they save their timeouts until the last two minutes. But the problem is you quickly run out of timeouts, just like you do in football. You can't stop and postpone it for a few more years. That's not the way life is. When it comes to life, what should we do? Matthew 6, says, Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all the other things will be added to you. Jesus said again in Matthew chapter 7, verse 7 and 8, Ask, and it shall be given unto you. Seek, and you shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. For everyone that asks, receives. Everyone that asks, receives. 
And he that seeks finds, and to him that knocks, it'll be open. What an invitation. What an invitation. You don't turn it over and say, some are not accepted. I was cleaning up the house yesterday. I found two pair of binoculars that I inherited from my father. And they were good binoculars. And I found in my safe a lifetime guarantee. They both need some work. <laughs> I felt so good, had the serial numbers. I checked, they were identical. And still I started reading the guarantee. And after saving that for 50 some odd years and having the lifetime warranty, when I read it, it basically said, well, that's not included. 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 Well, of course, that's not included. And I'm thinking, what in the world is all this about? Well, that's kind of the way people live their life. They somehow believe it's going to work out all right, and I've got this some kind of lifetime warranty because one time when I was in Boy Scouts, I sold more cookies than anybody or something, and, and I got a merit badge. In fact, I got more than anybody in the scout troop, and I helped a little old lady across the street, and so I know God's going to take care of it. No, that's just not the way it works, folks. Whatever time we're on earth, God says you better use it for my glory. If we're believers, we better quit being slaves to sin. Did you hear what I said, believers, or those that claim to believers? If you are a believer, you're not a slave to sin. You tell the people that are living in, you don't tell them verbally. I mean, you just look at the people and say, that's your business, but I'm not going. And I'm not doing that. And I don't care what the transition is in this generation. As for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. I am a committed Christian. I am bought with a price. I am not my own, and he changes not. What was wrong 2,000 years ago is wrong today. And it doesn't matter what we vote. It is wrong, it is wrong, it is wrong. Romans 6, 6, knowing this, our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. If every person that claims to be a Christian were to be a Christian, the laws in this land would change almost spontaneously. Business would close by the thousands. Products that are being offered and, and entertainment that's being done would go off the air like that if God's people, which are called by God's name, would quit being slaves to sin. We don't understand this thing. We simply believe some way, somehow we played a little prayer and one day we're going to all go to heaven and what a day of rejoicing that's going to be. Not so. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. All things have become new. If you're not in Christ, you're not saved. If you don't see the world different from the world sees it, then we need to talk. Faith is not something you can buy, no matter how much money you have. A preacher told me a long time ago to make sure you dig your faith well deep so that you don't run out. <laughs> we need a lot of faith, don't we? A lot of the water tables are going down in the state of Texas. And a lot of faith tables are going down in the churches of Texas. The just will live by faith. Make sure you have plenty of it. There's going to come a time in your life, if it hadn't already happened, and, and if you're very old, it's already happened at least once. And that is faith is the only thing that's going to sustain you. God says it. That settles it. 25 years ago, I'd have had three points of that. God said it. I believe it. That settles it. 
I've learned since then, if God says it, that settles it. It doesn't matter whether I believe it or not. God doesn't call me and say, John, is that okay with you? He has never made that call. I challenge all of us today to prepare ourselves to answer God's personal call to us. No one knows. No one knows. That's what I was telling the students a while ago. No one knows the impact each of those students is having on other students. They're all very, very special to God. And so are you. And so am I. And we need to take a moment and think of all the people that have made an impact in our lives growing up. Our Sunday school teachers, our secular teachers, our parents, a friend, a business person, an athlete, somebody that excelled in the arts, or most important, maybe it was just a friend. But you know, the good thing is, it's what David discovered a long time ago, and that is somebody cared. Somebody cared. Somebody cared enough about me that they were willing to teach me in Sunday school, to teach me wherever I went that Jesus was the way. Psalm 142, 1. You remember David, shepherd boy, musician, king. One day he was having a normal day. Psalm 142, 1. I cried unto the Lord with my voice. With my voice unto the Lord did I make my supplications. I poured out my complaint before him. I showed before him all my troubles. When my spirit was overwhelmed within me, then you knew my path, God. In the way wherein I walked, have they secretly laid a snare for me. I looked on my right hand and beheld there was no man that should know me. Refuge failed me. No one cared for my soul. I cried unto the Lord. I cried unto thee, O Lord. I said, you're my refuge and my portion in the land of the living. Attend to my cry, for I am brought very low. Deliver me from my persecutors, for they're stronger than I am. Bring my soul out of prison, that I may praise your name. The righteous shall compass me about. But listen to the last words. For you shall deal bountifully with me. Amen. Have you run out of anything today? Have you run out of patience? Have you run out of hope? Have you run out of encouragement? Have you run out of help? Don't say nobody cares for your soul. Let David, David said, I don't see anybody flesh and blood, but there's one that cares. And God had a way of sending people into David's life when he needed them the most. Whether it was to point out his sin or to encourage him for doing right. But God cares. There's no success without Christ. In 1 Corinthians 4, 2, Moreover, it's required in stewards that a man be found faithful. But with me, it is a very small thing that I should be judged of you. Now, Paul's talking here, or of a man's judgment. Yea, I judge not my own self. For I know nothing by myself, yet, I, yet am I not hereby justified. But he that judges me is the Lord. Therefore judge nothing before the time until the Lord comes, who both will bring to light the hidden things of darkness and will manifest the counsels of the hearts. And then shall every man have the praise of God. 
I would say to you that I, I, I agree with many Bible scholars and historians that Solomon was one of the wisest of men, if not the wisest outside of Jesus. He wrote something in Ecclesiastes that might help us as we close. In the 12th chapter of the book of Ecclesiastes, verse 13, he said, let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandments. This is the whole duty of man. For God shall bring every work unto judgment with every secret thing, whether it be good or whether it be evil. I like that. Fear God. Respect God. Love him. Fear him. That all goes together. And keep his commandments. That's it. That's it. Fear him. Obey him. There's a song we sang that we still sing, let others see Jesus in you, but it's been around all my life. Keep telling the story. Keep telling the story. Be true. Let others see Jesus in you. You know what? Life will come and success will come and happiness will come to you when your life starts bringing glory to God. Did you hear what I said? Everything you're looking for was going to start happening when you start bringing glory to God with your life. Amen. Then you're going to find your purpose. And of course, some of us have to say, I wished I'd have done this a long time ago. Forget those things which lie in the past. The scripture says, press towards the mark of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. That's our commandment. Your decision to follow Christ will bring glory to him and it'll be the most important decision you ever, ever make. Matthew 16, 26 says, For what is it? Is a man profit if he gain the whole world and loses his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? And then the psalmist again in chapter 103, verse 15 and 16, As for man, his days are as grass, as the flower of the field, so he flourishes. For the wind passes over it, it is gone, and the place thereof shall know it no more. My all-time favorite is 2 Timothy 4, 7. I fought a good fight. I finished the course, and I kept the faith. Henceforth, Paul said, there's laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me in that day, and not to me only, but to all of those, that's us, that love his appearing. Amen. He did it for Paul. He did it for Timothy. For Stephen, the first Christian martyr, and he'll do it for you. When my father passed away, he requested the song, Great is Thy Faithfulness. Oh, God, my father, there is no shadow of turning with thee. Thou changest not. Thy compassions, they fail not. As thou hast been, so forever thou shalt be. Folks, who are you following? What time do you think it is in your ball game? Because a lot of people treat life like it's a game. And you try to make the right moves at the right time, but you don't understand the rules. Nobody knows the right moves except him. And if you'll let him live through you, then he that's in you will be greater than he that's in the world. And may we face the Lord one day as Matthew 25, 21 
His Lord said unto him, Well done, my good and faithful servant. You've been faithful over a few things. I'll make you ruler over many things. Enter now into the joy of the Lord. And then Hebrews 13, 20, Now the God of peace that brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant, make you perfect in every good work to do his will, working in you that which is well-pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and forever. What a great prayer to end on.